Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, do you remember the first time you saw someone walking around with one of those Bluetooth ear pieces, you know, the kind that clips on over your ear? I, I bet you can remember the first few times you see it. I know I do because it was strange. It was weird, right? Uh, all of a sudden, you'd be walking down the street uh, on a sidewalk somewhere, and you would see someone coming at you, and they'd have this big smile on their face. As you got closer, you'd see that they were talking, maybe very uh, with a lot of animation, and it was curious, right? It was odd because there was no one around them. <laughs> there was no one by their side, no, no one that you could see, right? And yet there they were, maybe laughing, maybe crying, or just having this conversation. And you thought, that's so strange. Are they crazy? Or... Or maybe you were at a stoplight and you had your window rolled down and so did the car next to you and you could hear someone talking and just happened to glance over and there they are again with this big smile on their face having a very animated conversation and catches your eye because you look over and there's no one in the seat next to them and kind of look in the back seat to see if there's a, a child back there. Maybe they're talking to someone in the back, but no, there's no one there. And right, it was, it was weird. <laughs> To, to see someone talking to themselves. And, and maybe you saw it a few times and you thought to yourself, what is, is going on? Uh, it was strange, it was weird, it seemed crazy until you knew why they were doing that, right? Until you realized, oh, there's these new little devices that connects to your phone and allow you to talk to your friends or your family or, or your coworkers, right? And, and suddenly today, it's, it's not all that weird anymore. It's actually pretty commonplace. You, you see it all the time. There, there are many things like that. Uh, practices that seem strange or weird on the outside until you know why it's happening. And then it makes all the sense in the world, uh, right? So, so think about if we were able to bring back some of our ancestors who lived 100 years ago to live in today's world. There'd be lots of things like this, right? There'd be lots of things that we do that would seem crazy to them and, until they learned why we were doing what we're doing, right? I mean, they would probably think it's strange that we're constantly staring at these little boxes that we keep in our pockets and then glue our eyes to. And even when there's a, a majestic mountain in front of us or a beautiful sunset or a laughing child, here we are staring at these little things, flicking our fingers up and down. Um, maybe that's not the best example because that still seems pretty crazy to some of us, the amount of time we spend glued to our phone. But you know what I mean, right? Uh, uh, maybe another example, a better example, would, would be this. Uh, I love to run. I love to go for jogs. A hundred years ago, though, this was not commonplace. Right? You, you didn't wake up in the morning and, and see all these people going out for their morning runs. There, there weren't 5Ks and 10Ks and marathons every weekend like there are now. There wasn't this whole industry right, built up around it with running shoes and gear and, and all that. And, in fact, a hundred years ago, there, there was this belief for a while where, where, where doctors were discouraging their patients from exercising because they believed that your heart might only have so many beats in it and you didn't want to use those up on, on frivolously running around the block right, for seemingly no purpose. And so it seemed crazy back then, but now we know things, right? Uh, we know that it's good for your heart and it can be healthy and can relieve stress. And some people like me, we just get enjoyment out of being outside or, or in nature. And so maybe running and jogging still isn't your thing, right? But you can understand it. It doesn't seem crazy or weird anymore. It's, it's common. It's, it's normal. Again, there are lots of examples of this, things that look crazy, weird on the outside. But once you understand why... It makes all the sense of the world. And in fact, there are certain things that we do as Christians. I think a lot of things we do as Christians, certain Christian practices and habits that we have, ways that we are called to live, that to an outsider don't make any sense. They seem like complete and utter foolishness. They, they, they look like a, a waste of time. 
until you understand why. And, and we're going to talk about three of those things today, because James talks about three Christian practices, three ways of living that, that we're, we're called to embody that, that don't make sense and, and, are, and are, in many cases, very countercultural. And these three practices are, are, are that Christians are not to complain. We're not to grumble and complain about other people, but we're always to, to speak kindly about and towards other people. The second practice is, is that we are not to swear or take rash oaths, uh, calling upon God's name in order to prove our, our point. Uh, James says we're simply to let our yes be yes and our no be no. And the last thing James says is that as Christians, maybe this is the strangest practice of all, and we can talk about this, uh, Christians, we pray. We talk to God. And, and each of these things seems crazy or weird on the outside, right, to an impartial observer just kind of looking at us for the first time. It's, it's weird that we wouldn't complain or grumble. I mean, after all, there's so much to complain and grumble about these days. Lots of reasons to complain. And, and, and the truth is, everyone else is doing it. It's commonplace. I mean, you've been on social media, haven't you? You've, you've been on Facebook. Everyone's complaining about something, uh, uh, about the fact that their meal came five minutes too late, or, or, or uh, about the, the fact that their friend voted for the wrong politician. We're all complaining about something, and it's kind of the standard. It's the example that's been set for us by our leaders. They're complaining too. And, and so the fact that we're not to complain or grumble, it's strange, it's odd, it's it's different. It goes against the norm. And why wouldn't we do it? And in order to, to build ourselves up, sometimes you've got to tear someone else down, right? I mean, at least, at least that's the way that our world works so often. Uh, the second thing then James says again that, that might seem odd is that we don't swear or take oaths. We don't call upon something or someone in order to, to prove the, the veracity of our words. We simply let our yes be yes and no be no. And again, this is strange. I mean, if if what we're saying is the truth, and if we want other people to know the truth, wouldn't we do whatever it takes to, to prove our, our point? I mean, it would, it would make sense if we want people to experience the truth of, of God, that we would take oaths, and, and again, no matter what the cost, in, in order to get them to understand. But, uh, but James says, no, we let our yes be yes and our no be no. And, and then there's prayer. Again, uh, again, maybe the strangest practice of all, that we would bow our heads and close our eyes and fold our hands before meals and talk to seemingly no one, right? Uh, to an outsider, it might seem like a waste of time. They, they might think to themselves that no one's listening. Why, why bother? Why, why go through all of that? Why spend minutes or maybe even hours of our day talking into thin air? Um, but Christians are called not to complain, not to grumble, but to speak kindly. Not to swear or take rash oaths, but just to let our yes be yes and no be no. Let the truth speak for itself. And then we're called to pray and talk to God. And in each of these things, I, I think what James says is that each of these practices, each of these habits are embodiments of a, a certain inner attitude or quality. And, and that is patience. And patience, I think, is something else that is very countercultural, right? We do not live in a world that values patience. Uh, we like things now or, or five seconds ago, right? And, and we value getting things as quickly as possible. We, we love the fact that with one click, we can buy something on Amazon and it'll be on our doorstep later that same day. Or that through an app on our phone, we can order dinner and have it delivered in, in 20 minutes, right? We value speed and, and patience is, is kind of a, a different thing. And yet James says that we are to have patient hearts. Patient hearts, that's what he says. Again, another strange, seemingly crazy 
practice that the Christians are, are meant to have. But it's not crazy. It's not as weird, maybe, if you understand why. Why is it that Christians aren't supposed to complain or grumble or take rash, rash oaths or swear or pray or be patient? Why? Well, James gives us our why. He tells us why. And he says the reason why we, we embody these attitudes and, and, and the reason why we do these practices and have these habits is because Jesus is coming. Let me say that again. Dear friends, in case you've forgotten, Jesus is coming back. That's God's promise. It's God's promise that although Jesus left this world once to be seated at the right hand of his Father, that he will return one day. And when Jesus returns, he'll finish what he started. The work of the cross and the tomb will be completed. And, and that one day when Christ returns, we will live in a world with no more sin. It will be defeated. We'll live in a world where, where Satan's lies and temptations will be no more. We, we will live in a world with no hurt, no pain, no suffering, no death. See, sometimes we, we are living in the here, in the now, in the moment, in the today, and, and we've lost sight of this glorious future that awaits us, this promise that God has given to us of our Savior's return, that one day Jesus is coming back, and that changes everything. And, and, what, and what God's word reminds us of is that Christ's return, it's not some wish or some far-out desire, right? But that it is sure and certain. We can be sure and certain that Jesus is coming back because he already came once. And if he went through all that, if he was willing to be born into a manger and, and live amongst sinners and, and, and cry at funerals and be mocked and ridiculed and then hang on a cross, if Jesus did all that, if he kept his promise to come the first time, then he will certainly come again. And having that sure and certain hope of our Savior's return, that changes everything. It changes how we wait. It allows us to live with patience. Uh, let, me, let me give you just a couple quick examples. You see, I'm waiting for a lot of things in life, probably like you. Uh, I'm 34 years old, but I'm still waiting to make the NBA. Uh, I'm waiting each day uh, when, I, when I head over back home to, to see a Tesla in my driveway. Uh, I'm waiting to break three hours in the marathon. That's always been a goal of mine. Uh, but, but those things, like many things that I'm waiting for, they're not sure. They're not certain. In fact, I'm, I'm actually more certain that they're not going to come true. <laughs> and that changes how I, I wait. But, but when you are sure of something, right, when you know without a doubt that something is coming or that something's happening, that changes. It, it allows you to wait with patience. So, so for example, uh, each day, uh, I finish work, I come home uh, with our, our baby there, and together, me and her will sit in the front room and wait for my wife to come home from work. And uh, I have to tell you, it's a joyful, exciting time. Uh, we're not worried, we, we don't live in fear, but we look out the front window to see mom coming home. And, and we wait with joy and with confidence because we know she's coming, right? We know she's not just going to forget about us or she's just not going to leave without telling us. And because we know she's coming, that waiting, even when we feel like we're waiting longer than we'd like or she's taking a little bit longer than usual, even though we don't know the exact minute that she'll walk in the door, right? We can wait with confidence and joy and patience because we're sure that she'll be there. And the same is true with Jesus. Because we know 
that he's coming because that promise is 100% going to come to fruition. We are allowed to wait patiently, joyfully, confidently. And it's because we have that hope and then therefore that patience, that's what changes our actions. It's because we are patient people that we don't grumble or complain. See, if you're in a hurry to make yourself look good or to, to give yourself an identity, then you're going to be tempted to tear other people down and to complain and grumble. But patient people don't do that, not in person and not online. We don't tear other people down. We don't grumble and complain about other people because Jesus is coming and because that promise has filled us with patience. And the same is true of, of our words and, and how we speak, right? That, that we don't swear or take oaths in order to prove our point. Now, if we were in a hurry, right, to, to, to make ourselves look good or to prove our point, then we might swear or take oaths. But because Jesus is coming and because we know that he's in control and we know that he'll finish what he started, that frees us to live patiently, to simply let our yes be yes and no be no. And, and people will either believe us or they won't. But, but God's in control. It changes our prayer life, too, because Jesus is coming and because we're patient people. We give the time to him, talking to him. Now, again, if we were in a hurry uh, trying to solve all of our own problems, trying to be the savior of the world, carrying the burdens of life of, in our families and our kids and our grandkids on our shoulders, if we were trying to do all that, right, then, then we wouldn't have time to pray. But because we know that, that we have a savior, and that he's coming back. That frees us to pray and pray and pray, to talk to him and to cry out to him and to call to him. Patient people don't complain, don't grumble, not in person, not online. They always speak kindly about and towards and with other people. Patient people, people who know that Jesus is coming, they simply let their yes be yes and no be no. Patient people, people who know of Christ's return, they pray. As little children, they call out to their Heavenly Father. Dear friends, I'll say it one more time. Jesus is coming. Not with anger or judgment, but by faith to those who believe. He's coming with grace and mercy and love. He's coming to finish what he started. And that changes everything. In Jesus' name, amen.